My name is Jeff Wilson. By day, I invest in tech companies. And at night, I invest in sports cards. Join me on my journey to profit from the hobby we all love. Welcome to another episode of Sports Card Investor, and I am excited about this episode today. We are a month out from football season starting, and I love football. Football is absolutely my favorite sport, the fav- my favorite time of the year. Not my favorite sport to invest in <laughs> from a sports card standpoint. I like basketball a lot better uh, from a sports card investment standpoint, uh, but I love watching football and I do enjoy football cards, even though sometimes they can make tricky investments. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about football cards and particularly this year's rookie quarterback class and how I am deciding how to approach this quarterback class from an investment standpoint, what the data is telling me and some tips that I have that hopefully you will find helpful Uh, when figuring out what rookie quarterbacks to invest in. Because let's be honest, picking quarterbacks, picking what rookie quarterbacks are going to be successful is one of the hardest things to do in all of sports. Nobody really knows, and I'm talking about the best personnel people in the world that work for these NFL teams, the best scouts, the best general managers. They really don't know what quarterbacks are going to be successful and which ones aren't. Um, You know, uh, a lot of people romance about the quarterback draft class of 1983. That is like considered to be historically the best quarterback draft class ever. And that was the one, of course, that produced uh, Dan Marino, that produced Jim Kelly, uh, and that produced John Elway. Those three guys were all drafted that year. And of course, all three went on to be amazing Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But what people forget is that drafted in between those guys were uh, Todd Blackledge, who never saw the Pro Bowl. Um, In fact, had barely any of an NFL career. Um, Tony Eason was also drafted. So so Blackledge was drafted um, a, a little bit after Elway. Uh, Elway was the number one pick, but, dra- but Blackledge was drafted before Kelly. In fact, seven picks before Jim Kelly and, 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 and then many picks before Dan Marino um, is, when, is when Todd Blackledge was drafted. And then Tony Eason was taken one pick after Jim Kelly and 12 picks before Dan Marino. And then you also had um, Ken O'Brien, who was also drafted before Dan Marino. So while that was the best draft class for quarterbacks, you had as many busts as you had great Hall of Fame picks in in the first round of that draft, and people forget that. And so... That just shows you that the very best personnel people in football can't decide, you know, as a rookie, if Dan Marino is going to be any better or any worse than Todd Blackledge, Tony Eason, or Ken O'Brien, right? And that is the problem that all of us face 
when deciding what rookie quarterback cards we want to buy before we have seen these guys play very much. So I have actually traditionally um, stayed away from buying the cards of rookie quarterbacks for this reason. You know, it, it, you know it's, it's really difficult. But this year there is some new data which might help us determine who some of those quarterbacks are that we should be buying. Um, 538, which is a uh, website run by Nate Silver, owned by ESPN. Uh, I am a big fan of their statistical analysis of all sports. I found it to be very accurate. Um, and uh, they, you know, whenever they come out with a new study, a new statistical way of approaching things, I take it pretty seriously. And uh, just recently, they came out with a new statistical way of looking at rookie quarterbacks and whether they might be successful in the NFL or not. And what they did was they um, did a correlation study where they looked at statistics of college quarterbacks, and they did this over the course of several years, um, going back to 2011, and then how those particular statistics translated to the NFL. Because you know certain statistics don't really translate, but they found that there are certain ones that do, and specifically ones that do um, com completion percentage actually translates really well. A quarterback that has a good completion percentage in college is likely to have a good completion percentage in the NFL. A quarterback that has a not so good completion percentage in college will have a not so good completion percentage in the NFL. Uh, another really interesting one that translates well is average depth of target. So what this means is that quarterbacks in college who are used to throwing short passes, when they get to the NFL, they're gonna look for a bunch of dump off short passes. Quarterbacks in college who tend to throw the ball long downfield, when they get to the NFL, they're gonna be confident in throwing it long and downfield. That may seem obvious, but that's a really important thing to look at. You know, what, you know, did a quarterback throw a lot of short passes in college or did he really throw it down the field? Because if he threw a lot of short passes, that probably, even if his numbers were great, if his numbers were great on the back of a lot of short passes, that's probably not going to translate to him being a prolific quarterback in the NFL. And truthfully, uh, my very favorite quarterback of all time, Tim Tebow. I'm a huge uh, Florida Gator fan. If, if you can't tell, uh, you know, from some of the stuff behind me, huge Florida Gator fan, huge fan of Tim Tebow. But Tim Tebow threw a lot of short passes in college. You know, he benefited from having Percy Harvin and Chris Rainey and some of these other, uh, you know, speedster guys who he could dump the ball off to and then they could take off running. And it made his passing numbers look really good, but his passing numbers were on the back of a lot of really short passes. And it, it, that element didn't translate particularly well for him to the NFL, right? And so that's something that we can look at with all of these quarterbacks. And ESPN listed out several other statistics, which have some correlation as well. So they then, based upon those statistics, they put together a formula and then they adjusted it for competition these players faced in college and that type of thing to start to predict NFL success. Um, the formula that they came up with is not perfect. Um, it, for example, uh, had Johnny Manziel rated as one of the absolute best uh, college quarterbacks who they thought was going to translate into an NFL star. Obviously, that didn't happen for Johnny Manziel. Now, granted, he had a lot of issues off the field, and, and so it may not have, you know, in his case, have been a talent issue. 
Um, but they had some other quarterbacks on there as well who, like, they had Jameis Winston rated extremely well. And, you know, he's obviously still an NFL quarterback, but hasn't shown really, hasn't lived up to that promise yet in the NFL. So it's not a perfect formula by any means, but it's better. It's a better formula than what it would look like if um, I was just picking rookie quarterbacks out of this quarterback class. And it's a better, better formula than honestly what most general managers are able to do. So from that regard... I think it's a, um, I think it's a good formula to follow, and I think it's a good formula to take some guidance from when trying to figure out what rookie quarterbacks to invest in this year. So, what does the formula say about this year's rookie quarterback class? The number one quarterback in its rankings, probably no surprise, Kyler Murray. Right? It thinks that Kyler Murray, who was of course the number one pick in the draft, it thinks that Kyler Murray has a 97% chance of going on to be a successful NFL quarterback. The next few are a little bit more surprising. Will Greer is in the number two slot. And a lot of people think Will Greer's got a good chance of an NFL career, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a top 10 pick by any means. And he is in the number two slot with a 90% chance of NFL success. And then Ryan Finley is in the number three spot. Ryan Finley, I believe, was a fourth round draft pick out of Wisconsin. He's in the number three spot with a 78% chance of success. And Jordan Tamu is, he was not drafted. He was a quarterback out of Ole Miss, not drafted. Um, I believe he has uh, been signed uh, since then, maybe by the Raiders, I'm not sure. Uh, But he is in fourth place with a 72% chance of NFL success. And then finally, Dwayne Haskins is the only other quarterback who has a greater than 50% chance of NFL success. And he is sitting at 63%. Um, Notably low on this list, Drew Locke, uh, you know, the pick uh, of the Denver Broncos out of Missouri, Drew Locke, less than a 1% chance of NFL success, according to these statistics. Um, Jarrett Stidham, 3% chance of NFL success. And uh, Daniel Jones, uh, of course, who went to the Giants really high uh, as, you know, surprise to many people. 17% chance of NFL success. So guys who, those are guys who this study would definitely recommend staying away from. So here's what I did. I took the ratings that came out of this study that 538 did, and I correlated them with card prices because just the, fa- you know, it's, it's great that Kyler Murray's the number one guy in this study, uh, but Kyler Murray also has the most expensive cards right now. So from an investment standpoint, does that mean that buying Kyler Murray is actually a value? Does that mean that buying Kyler Murray actually gives you a good chance of being able to appreciate on your investment? And my answer is actually no. Some of the other guys I mentioned are a lot better value. So what I did was I took the card prices that these guys are selling for. I looked at the average eBay sales price of contenders, draft picks, college ticket autograph cards. I just, I, you know, contenders draft is a popular set. There's not a whole lot of sets out thus far that feature these guys. So I decided to use contenders draft and I specifically look for the college ticket cards and I look for autoed versions of the college ticket cards, um, not numbered, uh, not like cracked ice or anything like that. Um, and I use that as my baseline. And then what I did was I took their card prices and then I looked at the probability of them being successful. 
And then I, 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 I came up with a number based upon if I had $1,000 to invest in each one of these guys. And then I backed off that $1,000 by their risk factor of them not being successful, whatever, that, whatever the number was. So in Kyler Murray's case, 97% chance of success, according to 538, 3% chance of not being successful. So I backed off that $1,000 in his case by 3%. Um, how many of their cards could I buy for that amount of money? And what kind of value you know, would I therefore think I would get? So um, Kyler Murray's cards, for example, are going for $170 $170.96 has been the average of his last few sales. Um, again, contenders draft pick, college ticket. Um, whereas Will Greer, same card, same set for Will Greer is going for $41.20 right now. So Kyler Murray has a 97% chance of success, but Will Greer has a 90% chance of success. And when I run out those numbers, I think that Will Greer right now is about four times better of an investment than Kyler Murray. So right now I've got Kyler Murray rated a 5.67 in terms of investment, and I've got Will Greer rated a 21.84. When you get down to the next two guys, Ryan Finley and Jordan Tamu, those numbers go crazy because their card prices are so stinking low. Ryan Finley's... uh, card right now, his contenders draft picks college ticket auto card is only $7.77. Again, this is compared to $170 for a Kyler Murray card. His card's only $7. And so, you know, from a value standpoint, he still has a 78% chance of NFL success, according to 538's data. I put him at a value rating of around 100 um, whereas I had Kyler Murray's evaluating of 5.67. And then Jordan uh, Tamu, his cards are only four bucks. Uh, you know, so, and he's got a 72% chance of NFL success. Now, this is, of course, assuming he, you know, signs and sticks with the team, but that would put his value rating up at 182 using this same formula. Um, and then finally, Dwayne Haskins, uh, not a value. Dwayne Haskins cards are going for $163, $163.75. So almost as much as Kyler Murray's cards. Uh, but Dwayne Haskins only has a 63% chance of NFL success, according to 538. So uh, that only puts Dwayne Haskins' uh, value rating, uh, according to my scale, at 3.85. So much lower than the other guys. So if you're going to believe 538's data, which I I do, and that doesn't mean that, you know, obviously these guys will absolutely go on to be stars, but I believe that they have some basis uh, that they've uncovered here that gives us some indicator of success. If you believe their data, their data will tell you by Will Greer, because Will Greer uh, has a, a high chance of NFL success, 90%, and his card prices are less than a quarter of Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins right now. Um, So buy Will Greer, and that's what I'm doing. I'm buying a bunch of Will Greer rookies right now. And then also maybe take a flyer on Ryan Finley and Jordan uh, Tamu. Their car prices are so low. You know, who knows of those guys? They were obviously, you know, Ryan Finley, a lower draft pick. Um, Jordan Tamu, not drafted at all. Who knows what will happen with those guys? But their car prices are so low. You could buy you know, 10 Ryan Finley auto 
contenders draft picks, college tickets for 77 bucks. Or you could buy 10 of Jordan Tamus for less than 40 bucks. So why not take a chance on those guys and hope that one of them turns out to stick with the team and be a star? Because either of those guys, if, that, if, if, if they even become a competent starting quarterback in the league, you could see a you know several times return on your investment uh, easy with either of those guys. Um, and you know, with Will Greer at only 41 bucks, if he goes on to become a star, uh, that could be a really, really nice return as well. So that's who I'm buying. That's who I'm buying this year. This is the data that I'm looking at. I would love to know who you're buying and I would love to know what you think about it. So if you're listening to us on YouTube, please comment. Um, or uh, if you're on our podcast, you can go to our blog, which is at sportscardinvestor.com and leave a comment there. And please do uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a rating if you're listening to the podcast. It helps us out uh, and it helps us continue to produce these episodes and bring more attention to them. So thank you for joining. Our next episode is going to be a good one. I am going to the National Sports Card Convention. I am so excited about going to there, going to it, and I'm going with a list of players I am trying to invest in and whose cards I want to buy. So I'm going to go with a very disciplined approach. In my last episode, I talked a little bit about the approach I take to buying cards, um, where I list the specific cards I want to buy, the specific players, the specific prices that I'm willing to pay as my max price, and then I, I buy them very methodically based upon that. And that's exactly what I'm going to do at the National Sports Card Show. Uh, and I hope that I'm going to find some good deals there. I hope that I'm going to find the players that I want and be able to walk away with a lot of investment inventory that I'm really excited about. But I'm excited to share that with you. So in our uh, next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about the National Sports Card Show. And I'm also going to be doing an episode from there uh, to show you what I'm buying and uh, what is going on at the show and where I found some good value. So thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Sports Card Investor.